Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I had not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing. Of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. The parable of the talent which we have now read is similar to that of the ten virgins. Both direct our minds to the same important event, the second advent of Jesus Christ. Both bring before us the same people, the members of the professing Church of Christ. The virgins and the servants are one and the same people, but the same people regarded from a different point and viewed on different sides. The practical lesson of each parable is the main point of difference. Vigilance is the keynote of the first parable, diligence that of the second. The story of the virgins calls on the church to watch. The story of the talents calls on the church to work. We learn in the first place from this parable that all professing Christians have received something from God. We are all God's servants. We have talents entrusted to our charge. The word talents is an expression that has been curiously turned aside from its original meaning. 
it is generally applied to none but people of remarkable ability or gifts. They are called talented people. Such a use of the expression is a mere modern invention. In the sense in which our Lord used the word in this parable, it applies to all baptized people without distinction. We have talents in God's sight. We are all talented people. Anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as professors of the Bible, all, all our talents. From where did these things come? What hand bestowed them? Why are we what we are? Why are we not the worms that crawl on the earth? There is only one answer to these questions. All that we have is a loan from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts. We learn in the second place that many make a bad use of the privileges and mercies they receive from God. We are told in the parable of one who dug in the ground and hid his master's money. That man represents a large class of mankind. To hide our talent is to neglect opportunities of glorifying God when we have them. The Bible despiser, the prayer neglector, the Sabbath breaker, the unbelieving, the sensual, the earthly minded, the trifler, the thoughtless, the pleasure seeker, the money lover, the covetous, and the self-indulgent, all, all are alike burying their Lord's money in the ground. They have light that they do not use. They might all be better than they are, but they are all daily robbing God. He has lent them much, and they make him no return. The words of Daniel to Belshazzar are strictly applicable to every unconverted person. The Lord, in whose hand your breath is, and whose are all your ways, you have not glorified. Daniel 5, verse 23. We learn in the third place that all professing Christians must one day have a reckoning with God. The parable tells us that after a long time the master of those servants came and reckoned with them. There is a judgment before us all. Words have no meaning in the Bible if there is none. It is mere trifling with Scripture to deny it. There is a judgment before us according to our works, certain, strict, and unavoidable. High or low, rich or poor, learned or unlearned, we shall all have to stand at the bar of God and to receive our eternal sentence. There will be no escape. Concealment will be impossible. We and God must at last meet face to face. We shall have to render an account of every privilege that was granted to us and of every ray of light that we enjoyed. We shall find that we are dealt with as accountable and responsible creatures, and that to whomsoever much is given, of them much will be required. Let us remember this every day we live. Let us judge ourselves that we be not condemned of the Lord. We learn in the fourth place that true Christians will receive an abundant reward in the great day of reckoning. The parable tells us that the servants who had used their master's money well 
were commended as good and faithful and told to enter into the joy of their master. These words are full of comfort to all believers and may well fill us with wonder and surprise. The best of Christians is a poor, frail creature and needs the blood of atonement every day that he lives. But the least and lowest of believers will find that he is counted among Christ's servants and that his labor has not been in vain in the Lord. He will discover to his amazement that his master's eye saw more beauty in his efforts to please him than he ever saw himself. He will find that every hour spent in Christ's service and every word spoken on Christ's behalf has been written in a book of remembrance. Let believers remember these things and take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but the glorious reward shall make amends for all. Well, says Leighton, here some drops of joy enter into us, but there we shall enter into joy. We learn in the last place that all unfruitful members of Christ's church will be condemned and cast away in the day of judgment. The parable tells us that the servant who buried his master's money was condemned as wicked, slothful, and unprofitable and cast into outer darkness. And our Lord adds the solemn words, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no excuse for an unconverted Christian at the last day. The reasons with which he now pretends to satisfy himself will prove useless and vain. The judge of all the earth will be found to have done right. The ruin of the lost soul will be found to be his own fault. Those words of our Lord, you knew, are words that ought to ring loudly in many men's ears and pierce them to the heart. Thousands are living at this day without Christ and without conversion, yet pretending that they cannot help it. And all this time, they know in their own conscience that they are guilty. They are burying their talent. They are not doing what they can. Happy are they who find this out in time. It will all come out at the last day. Let us leave this parable with a solemn determination by God's grace, never to be content with the profession of Christianity without practice. Let us not only talk about religion, but act. Let us not only feel the importance of religion, but do something too. We are not told that the unprofitable servant was a murderer, or a thief, or even a waster of his Lord's money. He did nothing, and this was his ruin. Let us beware of a do-nothing Christianity. Such Christianity does not come from the Spirit of God. To do no harm, says Baxter, is the praise of a stone and not a man. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.